This is Coda Radio, episode 163 for July 20th, 2015. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Coda Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software and related technologies. This week, we're brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this year's show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week is our excellent host who is established on the East Coast. Why, yes, ladies and gentlemen, I'm excited to say he's still kicking. It's Mr. Michael Dominic. Hey there, Michael. Miss still here, bitches. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I like it. Now he's getting a little vindictive about it, too. He's like, get, get him out of here. Get him out of here, man. Get him out of here. Get out of here. We have too many good things. Get the hell out of here. In fact, uh, it's really, I'm really uh, pretty excited today. I, uh, I Not only do I get to drink beer on this week's episode of the Coda Radio program, but I'm excited to say that we are joined in studio by Mr. Noah. Hey, Noah. Hello. How are you? What the heck are you doing in studio today? I don't know, because I'm here on Coda Radio, and here's the thing. <laughs> I don't do any coding. Like I don't know anything about coding, no, and I know even no. less about radio. No, so, uh, but there, uh, one thing you are, you do run your own business. I do. You do have a lot of contractors and clients. That happens. And uh, there's often software involved with that, I believe. Yeah, every once in a while. Every Since now, we're an IT company, yeah, yeah. we do deal with software. Uh, Noah's here in uh, in town, actually, because uh, tomorrow he and I are hitting the road, and we're going to go down to OSCON. Uh, and we're going to be at OSCON on Wednesday, July 22nd. If you'd like to hang out with us, go to meetup.com slash Broadcasting. And we also have a 20% off coupon if you use promo code Linux when you're, if you want to get an OSCON ticket. Or you can just meet up That's with like us. That's like Build, right? It's like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, you know, if you needed a conference, though, if, you, if, if there was one unifying company that just delivered like all of the open source technology and platforms as like a singular product, you would have a conference by that company. So OSCON's like all of the different people are there. Everybody, that, like the entire stack, like the people that make um, the actual software, the people that make the actual hardware, all the way up to like services like Rackspace and GitHub and, and even consultation services and people who are using it in like entirely proprietary ways. Like each aspect of the different spectrum is represented at OSCON. And, uh, oh, okay, I, so, so it's the Linux company, so it's by Canonical. No, it's actually by O'Reilly Media, and so they're kind of a nice third-party arbitrator because uh, they don't, you know, they, they're obviously they obviously have a huge interest in in open source from uh, from their company's perspective, but they don't have any particular stakeholder in it. So they actually make a pretty good third-party representation to bring all these different companies and all these different groups and all these different projects together under the roof. And it's their last one in Portland too. They're moving down to Texas, I think now, right? Do we pick the OSCON winner? Yes. Yep. I okay. uh, went to uh, viewer Josh. Uh, we picked him in the faux show. Just to oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, spread, the, spread, around, spread around the love a little bit. Yeah, he won yesterday. So uh, Noah's going to join us as we uh, plug along through the show today, which will be pretty cool. What are you working on over there right now? Chat room. Oh, you just They have chat. my undivided attention. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if you'd like to hang out with Noah and I, meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting, we're going to be down there on Wednesday. Hey, uh, Mike, guess what? What's that? Uh, Noah got a new gadget. No, now, well, hold on, don't tell me. I'm just teasing because uh, we're going to talk about it. Noah got a new gadget. I want you to talk about it. Um, we also have a little bit of bad news we need to talk about because it's just, especially with, with, the, with Mike's recent health stuff. Uh, and, then, and then after we get to that, I just, if you'll let me, 
I came across this article this weekend about NASA's 10 coding commandments, and we're not going to read the whole thing, but I just kind of wanted to go through them quickly with you. Uh, we also have uh, kind of an interesting little hoopla section to go through, and then some really, really good feedback this week. So why don't we start, before we like chew through all of that, with kind of the bad news, because it's kind of a downer, and we should probably we need to address it, but I, I, I think uh, it's probably a good point in the show to do it. Uh, the co-founder, Josh Greenberg, of Groove Shark has been found dead at age 28. Mike, did this uh, strike you a little bit? Yeah, so, you know, Groove Shark music startup, I think everybody, though they may not admit to it now, has used it at one point due to um, free music, right? Mm, right. right. Um, well, he got sued by everyone who's ever recorded a song ever. Basically. Like the, whole uh, in- like the representation for the whole industry came after him. Right, like not only did they sue his company into insolvency and bankruptcy, but they like wanted the domain name too, and they wanted to guarantee that the servers were physically destroyed. Like really crazy crap. Like companies fail all the time. Yeah, you know sometimes people get screwed. Right, it, it happens. Um, but the fact that they were actually able to get a court to say, "Oh yeah, we definitely have to destroy the servers," like just sell the servers. Yeah, what's the it, point of destroying the servers? Because they made the case that it's the a software was so, you know, the, well, their legal case was that the GrooveShark software was just inherently criminal, right? But, of course, it's about sending a message. Like, not only will we yeah. put your company into insolvency and bankruptcy. We'll destroy everything you build. We're going to literally, like, take everything. Um, so, you know, that's unfortunate, right? Like, I'm, I'm in the startup scene. Businesses fail. It definitely struck home with me. And then... He, Sadly, he's found dead. Right? Um, they they don't say know no foul. They say no foul play. They, just, they don't no just, foul play. Um, no injuries or drugs in the primary no investigation. Cause of death. Yeah, right. They're running a tox screen and everything. Mm-hmm. But either way, whether he just took a heart attack and and the pressure made him crazy, you know what I mean? Or if God forbid he took his own life, which if you recall, Chris, last year Noah that happened to a number of startup founders, right? They ran into problems and they they unfortunately took their own lives. D.W. Simmons says this is the dark side of startup. Right, and this is the side that nobody talks about. Like the failure rate is like eighty something percent, right? So it, it it's common for companies to fail, and sometimes they don't fail gracefully. You right? know, and let's just let's zoom in on this for a second because I'll tell you what's a little nightmare fuel for me, and I wonder if Noah, maybe I'll ask you since you also run your own business, do you ever like. Do you ever have the nightmare scenario that somehow, like, some legal thing's going to get you or something's going to happen that isn't really, like, technology-related? It's not really service-related. It's like some something else comes along. Somebody sues you. Something does something that just totally wipes you out. You ever worry about yeah, that? I mean, so, uh, I, I mean, for the most part, we have pretty low risk. I mean, the highest risk we have physically is we have people up on ladders putting access points up. But I'll tell you one thing I do get concerned about is the idea that if, <laughs> if for some reason... Uh, anything ever did happen to my business, there is no backup plan. I mean, any right. uh, uh, us people who who run our own business, it's not like there. It's not like there's there's some organization I can go to and say, oh, my business went under, so now I need food on my table. No, listen, I got two kids and a wife. I have to feed. I have a house. I have to pay for. And if if anything happens to the business, God rather be from getting you know sideswiped by legal action, or uh, even if it's just I lost clients. Yeah, I'm just in a world of hurt, and there is no there is no backup plan to this. Yeah. Yeah, and that's always yeah. mine. I, I, I am always kind of worried about something like that, too. And it's, that's a huge source of stress. So this guy, this you know, 
something comes along and the rea- your one of your biggest fears becomes reality. Hoo-wee. Well, I, if you recall, Chris, I literally had that happen. Yeah, I had to shut shut shop at one point. the The biggest thing that helped me go through was you have to remember, legally, your business is not you, so you have no obligation beyond the assets of the business. And I know this sounds very legalistic and and crappy, but the problem is if you start taking, um, frankly, taking it all personally. On, you could end up like some of these guys, right? The stress will literally kill you. This is why I don't really, I don't really judge people who are like, you know what? I tried the entrepreneur thing, and I just want to go right. back to a nine to five. Like, I can totally understand that because, like, you have to make those trades in your life. Like, what is what's a higher priority for me? What's more important to me? And if a nine to five helps you facilitate that, that's nothing wrong with that. Well, not only that, but the system, like, I mean, this is a very sad case. He, he lost his life, but you know, businesses fail every day. And the law is that you are not liable. You are not personally liable except in cases of crime, right? So people just have to remember, if the business fails and you need to walk away, just walk away. Yeah, That's it. Yeah. I mean, people can be mad at you. They can call hmm. you. They can send you letters. But legally, they can't do anything to you. And again, don't use me for legal advice, but... You sometimes I worry when I when I see like startup founders, you know, getting VC money. The VCs fund them a million dollars, but demand that they only take like a thirty thousand dollars salary. Hmm. And it's like, well, that's a lot of pressure. Like you have no ability to save back and be able to live for a couple months mm-hmm. if, God forbid, things don't go the right way. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, never a position to get yourself in. Yeah. 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 I think that we should all make those businesses fail. Yeah. Well, you you often succeed. <laughs> uh, that's it. Well, it feels very heavy uh, in here right now. Uh, and uh, it, this we often so we so often don't really sort of get to this point. But the last couple of weeks, I think, have kind of brought us here with Mike's health and some of the news there. And and also, my I've been really stressed out and burned out lately. Uh, so I've been trying to get out, huh? I mean, I'm just saying. And you know what? It's it's not helped because my particular workload, uh, just just to make life, and because sometimes I'm here so late that I drive home and I start to fall asleep. There's some nights where I'm staying at the studio now too, so it's like now I'm living here some days, and it's really like, it's it's taxing. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of motivated me to actually get my ass outside for the first time in like my entire lifetime. Yeah. So there's that aspect. But that actually feels like, like, God, this state is – Washington is really particularly beautiful. Like uh, there are some spots that are like – like man is never touched around here that you can go walk on that are just, you know, gorgeous and rivers you can swim in and lakes. And it's just so beautiful. I don't know why I never went out there in the first place. And it feels very good. But it's super, super hard to uh, – to actually make that time happen, so I've I've actually some gone from time to time to put it on my calendar. Do you struggle with this? No, well, actually, what I so what I do to to combat exactly what you're talking about is I make definitive plans to do definitive things. So, give me an example. So, like, so for example, I will plan to go out to the gun range uh, with a couple buddies and we'll go shoot something. So, like the Fourth of July, right? That was a big thing. Actually, there was a couple guys in the mumble room, and uh, and um, Alex obviously was there, and we all went out to the range, took Sarah and the kids, and we all went out to the gun range. And that was like when you plan specific things and specific activities. And you do it. So you do it frequently enough. See, what I find is I wait and wait and wait and wait. Then mm-hmm. it has to be something big. It has to be something that like I almost have to like alter my life a little bit to accommodate. So it feels like it's finally worth it. Yeah. So what I need to do is get more into a routine. Right. 
Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if you have, like, uh, some people, it's it's going out to the lake and fishing. For me, it's going out to the lake and water skiing, which I mm. still intend to try and get you to do when you yeah, manage your gun Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, man, yeah, that's if, the attraction right there. But Hello. Yeah, any, anyone that works in a high-stress job, uh, you have to do that. You have to take time to, to you know, to get your head straight, I think. Otherwise, you get burned out, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, don't, I don't know if I um, – I don't know if I really thought about it much when I was, like, 25 and 20 – I think you have more energy, though, too. Maybe. Oh, and, and, can I, and can I say something awful? You know, when I was in the hospital, I had a couple clients who kept calling my office every day. Not to check up on me, but to see where their demo was. Jeez. Yeah. So one thing you have to remember, you know, if things don't go the right way and you feel bad that a particular customer or two might get screwed in the shutdown, uh, keep in mind that they probably don't care about you. Like, you know. That's true. I mean, really, it's just business. It's not personal. Yeah, you're a you're I hate a to tool. Sound like, you know, yeah. I hate to sound like a scummy '90s. Yeah. Type no, of to tech, them, you are you are a means to an end to accomplish a business right. goal. Well, I right. mean, to some degree, you were on the other end of that, right? When you were doing the elect- uh, electricity inside the studio, mm-hmm. and your electrician had a personal emergency came up. I don't even remember the story. So you had you were having the you had to get the electricity redone in the studio so yeah. that it could accommodate yeah, all before the we moved in yeah right. we had to do a major and, overhaul yeah and he had some he had some personal emergency came up really and, yeah and you had you wanted to get everything moved over I, okay so, now this is coming back to yeah. you. I'm so glad you remember and this. so you and so <laughs> you you called him and you're like um, not to you know not to be rude or anything but uh, when do you think that this is all going to be resolved so you can get this stuff done in the studio because I'm waiting I'm kind of everything's oh, yeah. on hold yeah everything and had that to was, wait and it, and it was you wanted to get everything in here because you wanted to have Linux Fest Northwest 20, 2014 no, 2014 yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah it's the other end of that where it's it, it's like I understand you have a personal emergency at the same time I have I have business goals and things that I need to get done as well yeah. you can understand and that. I've a lot of times yeah. uh, the reason why clients came to me when I was um, working as a part of a company is because they were switching from indie guys that were like one person to, yeah. and they wanted to have somebody that had backup. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's another big thing. And, uh, and then when you're your own business, it's the reverse of it. You have to figure that out yourself. You have to have your own backup, which you, I mean, you're here right now. So obviously you have somebody backing you up. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a good team of people that I can, yeah. I can leave and the house doesn't burn down. <laughs> but the problem, Mike, with that is like that costs a lot of money. And then, you have to be able to get to that point. Yeah. 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 So I've done it both ways. Uh, backup is very expensive, and but being indie sucks too. So I suggest retirement. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I agree. You know what you got to start with? Let's pick it up because we got a little heavy, and the rest of the show is pretty light. In fact, we're going to get to NASA's ten coding commandments. But I got a pro tip. I got something you guys have never heard of before. Brand new on the scene. Both of you are going to try this out after I tell you about it. It's DigitalOcean. <laughs> I brought you DigitalOcean. <laughs> I know. And no, how many droplets do you have? I, well, uh, let's, suffice to say, I had to request an increase. You don't even know. So, What's I so don't funny know. is I, you should, I don't know why you don't look, because I've asked you like uh, five times. And like, it is a ridiculous number. Well, so here, there, there are two problems. One you is, delete them and add them well, all the not time. Not only that, not only that, but I also, I, I move them out to people. So I, like, for instance, I just moved seven droplets just last week. Right, yeah, I understand. Um, yeah. So they change so often. Yeah. It, it's not, it, it, even if I give you a number of what's on my personal account, that's right. not even... This is This would be my new. So cheap, you don't notice. Like, this would be my new gig, and yeah. I, I think this is the way to go because, right? You start. They're, they're not even. It's not like cheap, like in the traditional sense. They're inexpensive. Like they're. It's five dollars a month, and you get five hundred twelve megabytes of RAM. Okay, that's not bad, especially with Linux's memory management. You get a twenty gigabyte SSD. It's SSDs through the entire stack, so it's great I/O performance. You get one CPU, which is super fast, and you get a terabyte of transfer for five dollars a month. Now, what Noah is doing, and what I would totally do if I was still doing IT consulting, you could build systems 
and then transfer them to people and you know and set this all up for them and they have a great infrastructure so you know it so often happens with small businesses and people that you might be familiar with they go off and they go get some hosting package through their DNS provider and it's just a nightmare it's not sustainable it's not a long-term approach and if they ever want to fancy it up like they want to add a shopping cart or something like that they're totally locked into a box so DigitalOcean is such a great solution for that. Nine seven seven and eleven. So whatever that is. Nine so, seven seven and eleven. Yeah. So whatever that is over over uh, four accounts. What? I have nine on one account. Oh. Seven on another oh, okay. account. Seven on another account. Okay. Right. Another account. Like, so however many. I thought that you were saying total. you had like ninety-seven thousand. Like, oh, no, 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 you don't. No, no, no. My personal account has eleven. That's how many Noah yeah. uses personally. Yeah. yeah, and I love the story that one time because and it does fluctuate so much because there was one time when the account had like twenty on there, and my account, uh, my accounts had four or five, probably max. At the all running at once, and right now I think I have three active droplets, mm-hmm. and they're just so useful for so many crazy great things. And the great thing about DigitalOcean is their interface is very simple and intuitive. So you get a lot like you can do the transfer stuff, you can base it off templates, you can obviously create and destroy droplets, you can do one click deployments. Like you just want to try out GitLab for a little bit, go do a one click deployment of GitLab, and they have an API to replicate the functionality of that interface. So that's really really nice. And they have locations in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, London, and Germany. So they have a lot of flexibility for regional locations, too. And the one in Germany is a great data. Well, they're all really great. They're just that, that one's the new hotness. But if you want a little tease, go look at, like, their Google Plus account. Or, uh, like, I think The Digital Ocean is their Instagram account. And they post some really good server porn on there. I mean, I'm an old sysadmin, so I like that stuff. Digital Ocean. Now, here is the best bits. This is the most important part. Coder Digital. One word, lowercase. Coder Digital. That's going to give you a $10 credit. You can try out that $5 rig, two months for free. Try out CoreOS. See if Fedora actually makes a server OS. Prove me wrong. Try it out for two months for free. Ubuntu's on there. Debian. I have 1404, and I have an Arch rig up there. DigitalOcean.com. Use the promo code CODERDIGITAL. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. You guys are rocking. And, man, congrats, too, on the new round of funding. Keep it up. All right, guys. So let's pick it up a little bit with NASA's Ten Commandments, and then we'll move on. I just thought this was kind of interesting because NASA is known for making pretty good software, I guess. So here's number one. Restrict all code to verifying simple um, control flow constructs. Do not use go-to statements, set jump, or a log jump. Uh, All loops must have fixed upper bounds. Do not use dynamic memory allocation after initialization. Now we're on number four. No function should be longer than what can be printed on a single sheet of paper in a standard reference format with one line per statement and one line per decoration. Declaration. (laughs) <laughs> like that. I like that one. Number four is the most specific. And then number five, assertion destiny. All of the code should average to a minimum of two assertions per function. Assertions are used to check for anomalous conditions that should never happen in real life executions. Interesting. Number six, data objects must be declared at the smallest possible level of scope. Number seven, the return of value of non-void functions must be checked by each calling function, and the validity, validity of the parameters must be checked inside each function. Number eight, just a few more to go. The use of the processor must be limited to the inclusion of header files and simple macro definitions. Token passing, variable argument lists, like ellipses, and recursive macro calls are not allowed. Number nine, the use of pointers should be restricted. Specifically... Yeah. No more than one level of dereferencing is allowed. Number 10. This is the last one. All code must be compiled from the very first day of development with all compiler warnings enabled at the compiler's most pedantic setting. 
All code must compile with these settings without any warnings. All code must be checked daily with at least one, but preferably more than one, state-of-the-art static source code analyzer and should pass the analysis with zero warnings. And if you check the official NASA handbook, rationales have been included under each rule. That's how NASA makes good software right there. They have a rep for that. Yeah, I guess. I like it. I like that last one. All code must be compiled from the first day of development yeah. with all compiler warnings enabled. Holy crap, that sounds tedious. That I like sounds. The pointer, I like the point of referencing stuff, Chris, because, you know, if you have a, uh, a memory <laughs> error in space, no one can hear you leak. <laughs> That's good, dude. All right, Noah. I, I've been working on it for like five minutes. So uh, Noah has a new gadget. I do. <clears throat> so uh, a few months ago, I bought the LG Watch R. And uh, I've been trying it out for a while, and I have passed it on to Noah now to try it out for a while. And, uh, Mike, you would talk to me, oh, I don't know, what is a month ago about an Android Wear app that you were considering developing. So I, wanted yep. to, I just want to get an update from that angle, but also get an update. Maybe we'll start with Noah. Uh, Noah, what do you think having – now, I know you're a Google Glass user, but what are your first impressions after using Wear for a little bit? Right. So uh – First, off the bat, uh, I've been – not only have I been a glass user, I've been an enthusiastic glass user. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, it's, <laughs> yeah, so it, it's a little rough around the edges, right? Like the, the UI is a little rough around the edges and the functionality is a little rough around the edges. It, it, it has constantly felt like a beta product, which I suppose it is. Um, so the first thing I noticed about the watch is the LG watch feels more polished. It feels like this is a product that's ready for production. However um, – I guess the, the, the other thing I noticed right off the bat is having a device on my wrist is inherently less convenient than having it on my face to begin <laughs> with. And I also find that looking at it on my wrist isn't inherently more convenient than just looking at my phone. Uh, mm. And I wonder if you guys don't think that because you haven't seen what it's like to just have the notifications show up in front of your face. Well, yeah. I mean, you, how, do you, how do you beat that? But I don't, know if I, have, I don't know if I agree with watch versus checking phone. It just doesn't seem like it's that much more inconvenient to just grab my phone. Number one scenario for me, and I know since you're driving around from clients, it's got to be a frequent scenario for you. Sometimes, literally, once or twice in my life, I've almost murdered myself trying to pull my, like, my phone out of like a tight jeans pocket or something. Oh, no. Uh, not that I'm wearing like tight pants or something. See, but I'm an IT admin, so I have a clip on the side. I, of my even even having to get it out of the clip uh, on the side of my belt and pull it out. Uh, no, that is so much more effort than when I have both hands on the wheel and I literally rotate my wrists and I yeah. read it and then I rotate my wrist back. There's just no beating that. So I guess a lot. The other thing is too is so here's the other thing that would make the difference for me. If this watch had a cellular radio in it and I could get away yeah. from my phone entirely, yeah, that'd be a different story. But yeah. the, as it stands right now, I have to have my phone with me anyway. Yeah. And when I get into the car, the first thing I do is take my phone and I put it underneath my uh, my leg, and so that way when I'm in the in the vehicle and driving, if I need my phone, I can just pull it out, uh, pull it off from under my leg, look at it, do whatever, so, and it doesn't fall out of the car because it's under my right leg, not my left. Which is the mistake that you made? Yeah, as, the, as yeah. the crack in the back of my S six testifies. To. Right? Yeah. Have you seen that, by the way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The okay. day before your case came, <sighs> or the day that the day of your case. Coming. The day the yeah. case came. Yeah. The day the case came. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Samsung, for making a phone out of all glass. Like we didn't learn from the iPhone. Uh, I guess what? It's not what you said when you got it. It will. It feels and looks amazing. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Well, it's Gorilla Glass Four. Maybe this time it won't. It'll be different because yeah. it's the new Gorilla Glass. Yeah. And no, you know what? Turns out it's glass. Yeah. It's glass. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's glass. You know what glass does? It cracks when you drop it on a rock. Yeah. Don't Any, drop it on a rock. Why well, you got to get me upset about this? Yeah. Stuff. I'm sorry. Now you made me lose my point. Oh, damn it, Noah. I think uh, what you'll find is what beats that. Oh, hands over for glass 
is uh, the fact that you'll be able to use it all day long. In fact, you can even use it if you don't have the always on screen. You can use it for two days, which that hands down kicks Glass's ass right there. Yeah, almost two days of battery life if you don't have the always Glass, on screen. Glass, if you're not aware, is about four hours six max if you're really, really, really not using it. Yeah. So let's That's bring it in now. Let's uh, before we get to Mike's angle, I just want to ask you: Have you? Ha- what is your impression of like? Like I know you've messed around a little bit with Wonderlist on there. Yeah. Are are the apps easier, harder, um, less functional, more functional? What are your impressions of the apps so far? For oh, it? way easier. Yeah, way easier, way more functional. And and so the fact that more of them are available. So for example, I, I'm a huge Wonderlist user. Yeah. I have Wonderlist for everything. Yeah. Um, and so I noticed one of the things I had was. Uh, uh, post landing trip. So once I land in Seattle, what are the things I want to get out before we actually take off for OSCON? And it knows because of the way I have my priority set up, that was the first list that showed up mm, on the watch. So cool. the watch pulled that in from Wonderlist and said, here are the things that you should be doing right now. Mm-hmm. That's super useful, especially mm-hmm. if I'm at like the grocery store. Mm-hmm. That is a top list because I'm, I'm going yeah. to grocery shopping. And then the way that you showed how it can it can be dark, yeah, but have the always still on continually show the, the yeah. list. And that works with Wonderlist. Yeah, that's nice. awesome. Yeah, that is nice. Yeah, and now you also have a fitness tracker and stuff like that too, which is is interesting. Um, so I think, in my opinion, I feel like there's a lot of good apps, but there's still not enough apps. There's still, I feel like there is an opportunity here, Mike. So I'm wondering, you know, I know you were kind of looking at an app, but it kind of got the idea was kind of taken out from underneath you. But when you were looking at the fundamentals, did, was there something here that grabbed you, or do you think it's still too early to really make an investment? So- so I've been wearing my Moto 360 every day. In fact, it got me to pop a SIM card in this Nexus 5 rather <laughs> than my iPhone 6 Plus. <laughs> so, yes. Um, remember, I was always going to do a watch app, and I have a couple ideas. One, I finally decided to actually work on. The The difference for me was like Apple Watch OS or Google Android, right? And I definitely feel that Android Wear is a lot further along than Watch OS, even Watch OS 2. But I know that's flame bait, so we won't get into that too much unless we want to. I don't know. You know, I. It is like all things. It is. It is like we are back at in two thousand and seven, and we have Android and iPhone, and it's early days again. The watch, Apple Watch, does less. What it does, it does phenomenally better than Android Wear. Where they are, where are where they match up in in comp- where they like are feature parity. Apple Watch is better in every significant way that matters. The thing is, is the Android Wear has a lot more things that the, Andro- that the Apple Watch can't even do. Like always on yeah. screen would be an example of that, which is very, very nice to actually be able to look at your watch and see the time or see a list. Turns out, nice feel- function of a watch to be able to tell the time. And if the screen's off, you can't always tell the time. So that right there, to me, is a pretty big differentiator between the two. But if you even take that aside, there's so much more choice in the Android Wear. Like, there's, there's ones that are safe to go underwater. There's ones that do have cellular. Like, you're, like Alex has one that has a cellular antenna in it, right? Right, yeah. And, it, and not only that, he has a, a camera, camera and a phone. <clears throat> yeah. So he can do the speakerphone, which is uh, something that I'm not, I think that most of the other Android ones right. can. I know the Apple one can. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but, but let's be honest, right? Like, if you're a grown man and you're buying a smartwatch, and you want to wear one that's not going to be horribly embarrassing for you to wear, and you don't want to spend 800 bucks. that's going to be tough with the Apple Watch, No, right? I actually think, I think that's where, I think the, the $350 Apple Sport Watch is exactly where those people land. You can get the one what? that's, it's, yeah, it's, you can get the black one, no. it's anodized aluminum, it's, it's a flat black, it, the, the, the thing is, is people mostly are going to buy it because it's a fashion thing. And, oh, and no, no. I think terrible. so. My, no, I, I don't agree. It's just like stylistically, it looks awful. 
I mean, Sty- my wife has one. But stylistically, you're right. But you have to admit there was mm. something sexy. It, no, he's right. I, really, I don't think that there's anything that is particularly that that when you when I first saw that in your how long was I here before I even noticed it was an Apple Watch? And I'm particularly averse to Apple products, right? But I think that's what, what I like about it. Yeah, but that's I, mean. I don't think there's anything that draws particular attention to it being the Apple Watch. But here's what I do I think. I think you're missing that that's the most important design aspect of it. I think the most Looks important like design... Really smartwatch. No, 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 no. Well, a bit. I mean, uh, I think the most important aspect of it is that uh, it is, in just the right ways, it's a little smoother, it's a little more subtle, it's a little more refined. And I, that, we're getting into a lot of heady stuff here, but this is not just my opinion. I've been going around and I've been handing the watches. I've mm-hmm. been handing the Apple Watch and the LG Watch to people and asking them. And <sighs> even like when people are rubbing your arm, mm-hmm. like people are rubbing your arm, they like the feel of the Apple Watch over the LG Watch R. It's, a, it's even down to like other people touching you like the feel of the Apple Watch. I'm telling you, I've, it sounds weird, but I, I don't would, think that I'm I, going to take you to the restaurant tonight that I went to and I sat down at a table with a group of people and I had them try it. But you, so you think that you think that that's that that's a competitive selling advantage? I don't think people are noticing that. You are highly detail oriented, so you might pick up on something like that. I don't think most people do. So, and I think what it is is it's, that's where it starts. It's at that it's at that refined, minimal design that doesn't scream any branding, which I think is getting more and more important. It looks to people. like a gym accessory. Yeah, well, like, that's the sports spending... one. But the guy, because right. this is the scenario that you just talked about. You know, somebody that wants to do a little fitness tracking and stuff like that. But uh, then it goes beyond that, like uh, the haptic feedback. On the Apple Watch versus the LG, it really does make a difference. And it's the only kind of thing you notice after you've tried a watch for a little while. But it is... So, Noah, you can probably back me up on this. I get a little amped up sometimes about a lot of notifications and messages, right? Yes, that's that's an understatement. Yeah. Uh, the LG Watch R, it, 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 it's like adding an accelerator to that fire for me. Because the whole effing thing vibrates like a loose hooker. It just the whole thing that's just the whole watch just vibrates on my wrist. And mm-hmm. it and it, it's like this jarring alien experience that doesn't feel right. And it 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 it, it forces me to mode change in my head to oh God, what is, what is this? What is this? Mm-hmm. It forces that mode change. The haptic feedback, it feels more like it feels like just a real like it's just a real super light light touch I'm touching Noah's arm. It's a really light touch that I, I, can, I can register, but it's light enough that I, I can completely choose to ignore it if I want. But you so, would register it even if you were deep in thought? Like, even if you were, like, you had this information overload? I don't know if I would, but I think I would prefer that. See, and that, so that's where maybe you and I differ, is that if, if I'm going to have a device, if I have no problem shutting my phone off, I know that that's not popular for you. I have zero problem just shutting my phone off and saying, yeah. I'm in the middle of something, so I'm just not going to respond to anything. I just shut it off, and that's the end of it. Um, you say that. I've never actually seen you do that, though. Not for you. There's a bit of an exception. But but oh. for the most part, for the, for the most <laughs> part, for the most part, for a lot of people, I just I shut that stuff off. Like, for right now, my phone is sitting out there. I have no idea what it's doing. It's because I'm right here, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's not like I don't have Telegram up on my, uh, yeah, on my laptop. Right, yeah. But the point is, I don't have a problem shutting my phone off. But when my phone, when that exemption list goes on, when I want to hear, when I have certain people exempted, I want to hear about whatever it is those people are saying, mm-hmm. regardless of what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I want it to immediately capture my yeah. attention and pull me out of whatever I'm doing. I say, I guess why, just I, when it comes down to all of the little differences, it's right back. Uh, here's the here's the big point. Here's why I mentioned the design, the feel, and the vibration. My core point isn't there's one big difference between all of them. What it really comes down to is there's a lot of little things. That like in the early days of iPhone versus Android, mm. the iPhone would have in its right column, and Android didn't necessarily have refined yet. Yeah. But that's, that's what you get when you take 
when you take two platforms and one focuses heavily on bleeding edge and one focuses heavily on a core set of concepts that you just continue to polish, right? Yeah, and just like in the phone, it proved to be a better approach to focus on a few things and make them work really well. I think it also proved to be on the watch even more so because the watch is even more limited. The watch has even more real estate and less battery and less CPU, it is even more important to be more more particular yeah. and more specific about what you do there. Yeah, I agree. Uh, see, I would like to see how – it's all about the price point to me. I mean, an entry yeah, that's level a big product point, right? like the Sport, which I – Yeah, you know, Sport's you what? It, 350, LG Watch R is $100 left, less than that. LG Try Watch R is like 250 right, That is not a watch to me. That is not a watch I would – just forgetting about the apps, forgetting about the software, at least my Moto 360 looks like a watch, right? Yeah, the LG that, Watch R is round. Do you like that round screen? I do too. Well, and, and the strap, even the strap is a watch strap. Yeah, right? but it's now, a, now, but now you're going to come at me like like that. All of the apps don't have the UI cut off. Like that, every single card that comes up, even the weather that comes up, the bottom of right. the weather is cut off. Like, is that like, big of a deal? Are you are it, you are you kidding me? Every really single application's yeah. UI is chopped off. That yeah. doesn't bother you? Like no. on the square display, everything fits. But on the round display, they, ha- they have to cut off the edges a little bit. I'll be honest with you. No, it doesn't bother but me. But it literally cuts but, off information. Yeah. Like you oh, can't, okay. Then, yeah, like you can't read stuff. It's not just like the you corners. If you really want to read the whole damn thing, okay. How do you do? You actually sit there and like read a whole email on your watch? No, but yeah, I w- see. I'm with Michael on this one. That, that's what I feel. You, you guys, Michael. it's like it doesn't even show you the whole temperature. Like you ask the all temperature. All I need to know is who it's from. Chris Fisher. Ignore yeah. all. <laughs> you know. No, but no, you might you might read the first right couple now. words of the subject line, right? But this is like right, it's in every point. app. It's Evernote. It's Wunderlist. It's the weather. It's yeah. maps. Every app, every single app on the watch on a round display has a bit of information cut off. Everything. You have to scroll everything. But you, like he said, how much of that are you actually reading on the watch? Like the idea of the watch, to me anyway, is to tell me this email exists, it's, it's from XYZ, and it's about this, so you might want to pull it out. I and think, then you go that's, to a laptop I think that's kind of a side argument because uh, the, the, I think the core question is should you design something that intentionally cuts off information the UI is just trying to display? No. And I think, it's is, it, right. And I think the answer to that is no. And right. so yes, regardless yes. of how much you want to read on the watch or not, the reality is information in the UI is still being cut off by the physical design of the display you, device. You, you encapsulate this huge thing. It's a, it, you, basically what you're saying is you're like – you're saying, uh, regardless of, regardless of it being a bad design, it yeah. doesn't matter of how useful, h- how much it actually affects the usability because of the watch. These are the it same, doesn't matter. Because I, I, because back in 2007, I had people argue with me that nobody was ever going to read a book on a phone. Nobody's going to watch a movie on a phone. Nobody reads email on but a phone. See, and I would people, be the person that would still argue. And that. then people would say nobody's going to type an email on a touchscreen. You have I to agree. have a physical keyboard. Like all of these, all of these arguments you're making right now were the same arguments. So you, but, but I still stand by those. No, I still think it's ridiculous when people peck out an entire email on a, on a smartphone on a four inch display. I think that's stupid. Well, I think it's even more ridiculous when people pull out their three inch display and they're like. Let's Let's watch a movie. Regardless, no, let's not. Regardless, if I call up the weather yeah. and I want to display it on my display, yeah, it should do the it. weather should not be cut off. I agree. Regardless of how practical it is to read it, the information right. should not be cut off. Yeah. So is, is that how you're using a watch? Though? Are you like calling up data? See, it might be a usage difference. I'm using it for incoming data. Yeah, like, mostly. Yeah. Just, since we've been on the show, I got like seven emails, right? <laughs> yeah. And only one of them matters. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Most of them are like, you know... Jira notifications, crap like that. The core functionality, what? It's really about, it's more about a triaging incoming information. Exactly. Yes. Right. Yes. But for that, I would argue that the difference that that flat tire makes is barely worth considering. Um, perhaps. I think it limits 
what you can do with it. I think it forces it forces it. What it basically forced was this card UI design that turns out doesn't actually even like they come up with material design and they come up with the card UI and then like the, literally the next device category they release it yeah. doesn't work with. Yeah. And to me, I, I, it's like you're sticking with something now just to stick with it because you've you've set this. And like with yeah. with 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 the square displays, it works okay because that mm-hmm. that's what a card fits into. Mm-hmm. But a card doesn't fit into a circle. And I I think what I've noticed between the two different platforms is that inherently feels like that application I'm running was never meant to be on this device. And the that reason may why be the case. But sometimes I get stuff that is circular, uh-huh. and I'm like, oh, this is so... Like, it feels... Oh, man, it, it fits my display just right. It's really but, nice. But again, that's what you trade. When you take one company that designs an operating system, one company that makes the app, one company that makes the hardware, one com- and then you try and cram all that together, that's what you get. Yeah. You get the what right. I call the spork syndrome. But listen to your argument. You, both of you are arguing how practical is it to read email on your device? Mm-hmm. How much input are you doing on your on your watch? Mm-hmm. How, and we all just agreed it's really more about triaging notifications, right? Yeah. Which so, I think you can do on any of the devices. So all Right. So all of the... I know, but you could just flip that argument around and be like, well, if it's really not that important, people mm-hmm. are going to want to get something that looks good, that represents their ideals, a brand they trust, and something that feels good on the wrist. Mm-hmm. And because, like, a lot of us are not even watch users. Like, when the, when the smartphone came, I was like, woo, I'm never going to wear a watch again. Right? And so for us, like, spending $300 on a watch, that's crazy. But, like, for guys like my dad, watches start at $600 for my dad, mm-hmm. right? And that's, like, a cheap watch. And so, and he's not like a crazy watch guy. Mm-hmm. He's just over my lifetime. He's bought three or four or five watches over yeah. his. You know, he's in his late fifties, mm-hmm. and he has three or four watches, and they all started around five six hundred dollars since I've been a kid. Mm-hmm. And that for him is so when he when the Apple Watch came out to him, a three hundred fifty dollar watch is a cheap watch mm-hmm. that does all of these things, that does the few things he needs it to do really well, that feels really good, that's well designed, and and works well with his phone. So for him, it was like God, that's a cheap watch that tells the time and it does a couple things. And I think that's how the majority of the populace will look. At it. See, we're looking at it from a specs and features and practicability standpoint, but people are going to look at it, what feels good, what works well, and I base that off of the iPod Touch sales and, and, the, and the iPhone sales. I think that's a flawed argument. I think that the person that is spending six or $700 on a watch is going to laugh at a smartwatch. I think people that will spend $607 on a watch don't even know what a CPU is. In yeah, a lot that's of cases. probably right. But so they, they won't even they expect, care. They, your dad probably expects what ten years out of a watch, and then he expects to take it off his wrist and yeah. get the next watch. Well, that's going to be the interesting thing. Yeah, and I don't think I I would bet that that watch would be uh, for you and me. That watch is outdated in one year. Well, that watch is already outdated. Right. They've already shipped updates to the LG for all the other yeah. all the other Android wares that turn on Wi-Fi, except for that one. And you're already getting the the fragmented Android experience with the Watch R because it got the update, but its update didn't turn its Wi-Fi on. They have to custom write a patch, and LG is still working on that, and they're going to push it out real soon. It's the same crap yeah. all over again. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think consumers want to deal with that on their phone and their watch, and I, I, I don't know. I think it's not a dead. I don't think it's a dumb category, and I think three hundred fifty dollars is too much for a starting price for a lot of us who look at it with specs and features. Mm-hmm. But for people who look at it from the way it feels and how functional it is and how it does a limited amount of triaging they need to do, mm-hmm. I like you know the reality is. I think I think if people are going to spend money, they're going to buy the Apple Watch. I, I just I think the Android Wear ones. So let me ask you this. I think it's more important, that unified feel and look, it's more important on a watch, I think, than anywhere else. I think it's less important on a phone and and even less important on a tablet and even less important on a desktop. But as the device gets smaller and more and more constrained, I think it becomes more and more important how tight that integration is. I think I agree with that. Let me ask you this. If either of you know, 
Can you use an Android Wear watch on an iPhone, or can you use the Apple Watch no, on an Android? No, there's no, a rumor, though, that Googs is uh, making Android Wear for iPhones. So, so here's what I think, then. I would argue, I would submit to you, both of you, that it won't. It, it has nothing to do with any of that, yeah, any of that right. stuff. It's, it's whatever it's, phone you're using. Exactly. Whatever phone right. you have, that's what's going to dictate maybe, what you have. Maybe, but a lot of people started buying Macs because they bought iPods. And now, <laughs> if you look at... but And here's the thing. The number one PC reseller right now... Mm-hmm. The, uh, in terms of like everybody else's sales are declining, yeah. except for Apple's yeah. in PC sales, and it's got to be because people are buying iPhones. I, really, I just I, the Steve concept- Jobs called it the halo effect. He said people come in, they buy iPods, and then the next time they come back in, they buy Macs. Well, I think the same. I, mean, I think you're right. You're, you're right in that if you own an iPhone and you want a smartwatch, you'll probably buy an Apple Watch because you have no choice, or a Pebble. But but more people, I don't think that's yeah. going to happen. But more people have Android phones, like eighty percent of the market, right? I think, I think the new world the new world order for uh, average consumers is Chromebooks, iPhones, and our Androids. You're breaking my heart. I know. Me well, too. Well, no. I mean, I think that's, pretty, that's a pretty realistic outset. I mean, here, so here's the thing. The, how can I tell my aunt, who has $400 to spend on a computer, and all she does is Facebook and Gmail? Yeah, exactly. How can I tell her to get anything but a Chromebook? Yeah, exactly. And you know what's funny about that is, so as you might imagine, in my day job, I support a lot of different computers. Do you know how many times I've been called to a hotel where they say the internet's not working and I've walked in that's been a Chromebook? That's never once happened. Anyone that has a Chromebook, it gets on the internet, it does it well. Like it's a perfect example of, of a product that does a very limited amount of functionality. If the Wi-Fi that works, very, it very works well. for you. Yeah. Right. And you know, Google does all sorts of crazy things. If you buy a Pixel, they will subsidize the cost of DeltaNet. So when you get on an airplane, you get free internet. Like... Hmm. Because that was that was Google's answer, and you get like a terabyte of drive. That too. was that was Google's answer to everyone saying, "Well, I can't have access to my my Chromebook's useless in an airplane." Mm. Oh, oh, it's useless in an airplane. Oh, no problem. We'll I didn't just know they did that. that. I didn't yeah. know. They, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So they pay for my my if I have my my Pixel, and you fly they, Delta all the time, right? They they pay for, and I'm not sure. I think the GoGo in-flight is is. I don't think that's just a specific Delta thing. I think that's oh, it's GoGo. Uh, yeah, GoGo. Oh, in-flight, yeah, that's yeah. yeah. So I mean, like, if that's the case, then that's a really practical solution for a lot yeah. of people. I, I uh, yeah hmm I so I and here's so here's where I was going with that is I think maybe what people splurge on is going to change like people that need high end PCs that'll never change they're always going to get nice PCs but average consumers they don't really give a crap about the PC they never really have given a crap you know people who would buy so a com- most of the market yeah the majority they're going to spend less on their computer and they're going to spend more on their phone and watches I think. I think their money is going to go towards phones and watches. If and their phones and watches don't entirely play, replace their computer, I, I the, just just two weeks ago I was working with the with the uh, the CEO of a company, and his only computing device, his only official, uh, you know, authorized given to him by the company computing device was a tablet. What do you he think? Have that a makes sense. You think, Mike? You that's think that's a lot of sense, though? Hmm. Yeah, I guess you know uh, our old nanny. Uh, she's not old. She's twenty one. But our former nanny, Jenny. Ooh, she had her she, she had her computer die. Uh, like what? How long was it before you? I mean, like what? Four or five months? She didn't have a computer for a while. Yeah. And then Noah sent her a laptop, which is very nice of him. But that entire time, she did everything off her phone. Yeah. All of her correspondence, all of her bill pay, all of her online banking, all of her email, mm-hmm. Facebook, everything. Yeah. She even applied for two different jobs all from her phone. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of people that do that. That blows my mind. Yeah. But if you think about it from a CEO's perspective, what does he have to do? He has to look over reports. Those are in PDF. And email. He has to yeah. read email. That's right. He answers a lot of email, and he has a little fold-out keyboard thing that he has on his desk. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you really need that, that a tablet isn't covering? And for that, he takes it everywhere with him because it's the size of a notepad. Mm-hmm. It's much more stable than an actual computer because he doesn't have to deal. Everyone makes software for tablets. 
even if they don't make that software for the for a usable operating system on a PC uh, or they don't make that software for a Mac. I think that's a really usable solution. Yeah, and, yeah you know, no, and, that's true. And you look at like like uh, like so Samsung phones. You can like hook those into VR headsets, and they can become an entire entertainment devices. You can have like an actual home theater experience from your smartphone using the Samsung Innovator VR. It's pretty neat. So there is, yeah, there is. There I is. mean, a, a common uh, request I used to field all the time, Chris, we talked about, and, and Noah was, you know, can we replace our salesmen's PCs with iPads? Yeah, and it worked for it three or four different companies. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I, I had a client who uh, was the backend support for a t- couple of different real estate offices. And uh, they were reworking their web UI because the real estate agents – this is the craziest thing, dude. The real estate agents bought like like a lot of them. Like when laptops became a thing, like Intel, early Intel Pentium CPUs, and even some of them even had 486s still. Mm-hmm. Like this is three years ago. Mm-hmm. They had 486s laptops that the real estate agents would like drive out and they had like a little car inverter in their, in their truck and they would like have a 486 laptop, like this big old beast. And like, and some of them are like Intel Pentiums and some of them are even Core 2s. But like, like XP would be like the, the latest OS they had. And they just skipped everything. Like this, and, and this isn't totally 100% the case, but I got it. It was so important to this back office that so many of their real this happened to so many of their real estate agents. They had to rework their entire web UI because what started happening when the iPad with LTE chips came out, they all all of them like just started buying these iPads with LTE built in. They they just they jumped over generations of computer hardware. They just went went directly from computer old laptops to iPads and iPhones, and all of a sudden this back end this company that provided back end services. Like the majority of their customers couldn't use their site anymore because their site was based on ActiveX and I required IE or whatever. I can't even remember the details now. And it was this huge change because all of these people were doing their primary work now from like tablets and phones and stuff. And it was like onesie twosie at first, and they would just ah yeah we're not going to do that. We're going to get to it eventually. And then it was like every single day the phone was ringing. And then by the time I was working there, it was the number one call we got was how do I get this working on my iPad? How do I get this working on my iPhone? Have you been to Sears lately? You go to Sears. Michael, have you been to a Sears lately? Not in a while, no. So when you buy, let's say you pick up a screwdriver at Sears or a toolbox, you don't pay for it at a register anymore. There are employees that wander around with iPads, and they take your credit card, and they swipe it in their iPad, and they, they a little receipt printer prints out that they can. I'm serious. Yeah. And they hand it to you, and they go, thanks. Like, There's- you pay for it at the You know, do you have any idea how way more convenient you know how often i go and spend Mm -hmm. more money at sears than anywhere else simply because i know i won't have to wait in line line. i can walk up to the product and i will find a sears guy walking around because they're practically every other aisle and say i want to buy this and i hand him my card i get my receipt and i walk out the door that is really sweet and then now they have you know they just email you the receipts i don't even have to do i don't even have to wait for that there is a uh there's a there's a, a guy uh that lives in a there's a town nearby called oso and this guy is, uh, I don't know what he does um, anymore, but at the time I talked to him, he'd worked in IT. And uh, he just started his own barbecue thing on the weekends at, by, this, by this gas station. Like they had, a, they had an empty lot. And the guy, every weekend he goes out there and he sets up his own barbecue pit. And he starts working Thursday and Friday. And Saturday and Sunday he has food available. And people from the town just come around and buy barbecue from this guy. And it's just something he does on his spare time. And he charges people using Square on his iPad. And he just like this guy selling his homemade barbecue just as a as a hobby over the weekend, yeah. and and uh, like it is it is so weird for me as somebody who's been around like when I got started in IT and technology, 
when I started working at like a full-time job, I was teaching, I was like 18, I was like an 18 or 17-year-old kid, right? And I'm teaching adults in their 40s and 50s the difference between right-click and left-click and how to use a mouse. Yes. And God, I don't miss that. Right? So that was how I started in the computer industry. And so now, to now live in a world when I go to some podunk Oso town, like have you even heard of Oso before? It's a podunk town. They had a mudslide, so a lot of people heard about it. But a podunk town, and I go there, and this guy's selling barbecue using an iPad. Like the world really has changed here. So yeah, I think a lot. I think a lot. Uh, yeah, I won't get. I won't get started on barbecue. But I think a lot has changed. Um, and and so the watch debate, I find it to be extremely interesting because it is it, in, in a lot of ways, it is the core platform debates really boiled down to their essential arguments mm-hmm. um, in a way that totally encapsulates everything about iOS, encapsulates everything about Android in both products, and yet. I think both are a valid approach. Like, there seems to be room in the marketplace for both. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm really glad we have round displays, even though I think it kind of sucks that it cuts off information. Yeah. From a watch face standpoint, it looks slick. Yeah, no, I agree. Way more natural. And I, I don't, I, and, like, in a way, it, it allows that to be explored and developed, but I don't have to buy that. The you know, biggest, I don't have to use that. The biggest thing I see, though, is people will choose the technology that they're comfortable with, and what they're comfortable with is what they get introduced to either in school or in at work. Hmm. So, I, I can't count the number of times that I've had people uh, ask me for Windows 7 simply because Windows 7 is what they use at work. Hmm. I can't count the number of times I've had people ask if they can buy a Dell laptop simply because they're familiar with that Dell hardware that they, they use at work. Mike, and people do that. Mike, you've seen that too. Like, you know, clients want something because that's what they're familiar with. They, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And we've kicked it around the show. Like, Mike's tried to convince people, like, maybe there's another way to go with that. And mm-hmm. like, no, no, this works yeah. for us. This is what we have to do. It's, no, it's it's uh, the worst is like the we use this weird browser plugin, um, <laughs> Flash, and um, you know we're going to develop it in that or God forbid back in the day ActiveX mm-hmm. or VB6. Come on, you know I, I'm done being mean to VB6 people because <laughs> like if they're still doing it, they know what's up. They know what they're yeah, doing. You know they're laughing. They're crying their way to the bank. Really. Well, you know what? Maybe we have a solution for everybody. Maybe for myself, too. It's Linux Academy. It's our next sponsor of the Coder Radio program. Go to linuxacademy.com slash coders and get the Coder Radio discount. Now, Linux Academy rocks because you've got step-by-step video courses to help you learn this kind of stuff. Downloadable comprehensive study guide to help you really kind of retain this kind of stuff. Instructors that will work with you. And one of the best parts is... No matter what your fanboy preference is, they have seven-plus distributions you get to choose from. They automatically adjust the courseware to match that distro. They automatically adjust the distro in the virtual machine that you'll be working with to match that. And they have so many great updates. They just did a whole bunch of stuff to their OpenStack courseware. Go check that out. No, I know you follow the Red Hat Certified Training. They have a bunch of great courses on that have recently gone public. They have a good community that's stacked full of Jupyter Broadcasting members. And I really like it if you're busy because they have an availability planner that just go in there and say, hey, I got this much time on a Monday. I got this much time on a Tuesday. Unfilter's on Wednesday, so I don't have any time on Wednesdays. So don't book me anything on a Wednesday. After TechSnap, I got to re-deep dive into Linux because Alan's going to talk about BSD the whole time. So give me an hour on Thursdays. You know, you go in there, you really give it kind of availability. You hit it, and it automatically creates a learning plan based around your availability. Gives you time estimates, gives you reminders, for, and it can give you even quizzes. The other thing that's really nice that a lot of people fall short on is Linux Academy gives you a little confidence when you walk away because they give you scenario-based labs. So that way you get to actually work with this technology in the real world. It's not If you need to learn how to set up an Nginx server or how to deploy WordPress or how to work with Ruby on Rails or how to do Android development, and before you actually are on the spot getting paid to do that work or before you need to go create something that's going to be shipped, 
wouldn't it be nice to actually have some experience with it? That way you have that confidence. That way you are not so focused on, oh, my God, what am I doing? You're actually focused on the work. That's what I like about scenario-based labs. And then last but not least, because I'm always sensitive to that time stuff, they got them nuggets. No, no, not the chicken kind. They're information nuggets. About two to 60 minutes long. It's a single deep dive into a topic. You go in there. You watch that. You learn that one specific thing. Like, it could be anything from backups or AWS setup or firewalling. or There's a lot of good ones in there. And they just really just show you how to do that one thing. I think that's super nice if... You feel like maybe it's been a few days, you want to kind of catch up on something, or there's a particular topic you want to learn more about, you know you could get this done a little bit better if you just knew this one thing. You don't need a whole course, boom, check out the nuggets. So many good things, so many current technologies. Linux Academy is stacked full of people that are really passionate about open source and Linux. So they watch this stuff, they breathe this stuff, they eat this stuff, they live it, and then they make their courseware around it. Linux Academy is a platform built by educators, open source enthusiasts, professionals and developers. They've come together, they've created the Linux Academy platform, and you can get in with our Coder Radio discount. Go to linuxacademy.com slash coders. That's linuxacademy.com slash coders. That'll get you the Coder Radio discount, but more importantly, shows your support for the Coder Radio program. linuxacademy.com slash coders, and a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. You guys rockin'. This has been a topic we have had on the show a lot. And then we're going to read this one and see what Mike thinks because it's something Mike's been debating on and off. And I'm curious if we can look at it from another perspective. Mike, our first email from the feedback section comes in from Prizix. And he says, I'm getting ready to start school as a 40-plus adult. I'm looking at paths to follow. There's web dev and, of course, traditional CS with a focus on C++ and Java. Or there's, of course, the pure Windows path that is offered. To me, it seems there's so much that this OS and that OS and this platform and that platform that I wonder if it's better to focus all my energy on maybe a web technology since basically they're only true platform agnostic apps. Of course, the web is a platform, but it's also part of every other platform. All in all, I'm starting, I'm starting late and don't want to waste my time on technologies that will either become irrelevant in two years or just disappear. I'm just looking for opinions. Thanks. So what do you think, Mike? If you're getting to start a little later in the game and you really want to focus in your, in your energy on something, is it maybe better just to skip the platform race altogether and jump in the web? You know, you can um, can really get very productive on the web very quickly, and you're super employable. So I would say, yeah. Yeah, that, boy, the employable part is yeah. right. Yeah, because that is that is that is always going to be a growing platform. There's like he touches on; it's always going to be cross-platform. I think that is a really I know that that sounds really good. Well, to and me. if you look at you look at the direction things like Firefox OS, they are building phones that are specifically only for web platforms, right? So. It, it is not. It's not a too far cry to say that there. We could see a time in the next yeah. couple of years where all of app, every app, every mobile app, well, could anybody, just be. I would a, say, and Firefox OS is one example, Noah. But I would say anybody that's not the incumbent that also wants to be on the same level playing field is going to be invested in making web standards right. work for them. Yeah, because they're going to like Ubuntu Touch, Sailfish OS, so, Firefox OS, so then Linux. The, they all are coming at a disadvantage for applications. So then, what happens when we get a bunch of developers that start saying, you know what, I'm sick of trying to figure out if I should write for Firefox OS or for iOS or for Android. What if I just make everything in HTML5, put it in different wrappers for, you know, th- th- just a little uh, wrapper for Android and a little wrapper for iOS, and now I can write the app one time and it runs on all of these devices? Yeah, I... I yeah, it's the dream, but... Yeah. You know, it never happens. Yeah. It, it happens, but, you, you know, there's always a, a red-headed stepchild, right? I mean, think about all the phone gap apps that don't quite look right on Android. Yeah, and nobody cares about Windows Mobile support. What's that? Oh, I forgot about that. Sorry. Yeah, uh, and and like Azure points out, the web platform does consist of many different platforms. 
So things can change. You know, we have talked about that. There's a lot of different frameworks and whatnot that will change out from underneath you. But there's core fundamentals that I don't think are going to change for a long time. And that's where you can start. Uh, before we wrap today, we did have a book recommendation. It's been a little while since we did this. It came in from Speed Ghost. And uh, he says, I love the old book recommendations. But since we had, haven't had in a while, I thought I'd share mine. And I thought this was great because I'd, I'd love to share more. He says, the first is Packet Publishing where they have a free-to-use library of books. So Packet Publishing at PacketPub.com, and it's a library of books that are free to read. And Python Network Programming Cookbook, Flash Framework. Look at all this. Node.js by example, AngularJS, Web Application Development Blueprints. A lot of really good books here. Deploying AngularJS, JavaScript High Performance, JavaScript and JSON Essentials. A lot of nice stuff in here. So that's a great one. And then uh, the other one he wanted to recommend was the Pragmatic Bookshelf. So this is a collection of books, too. Uh, they don't have free books, but they do have quite a few affordable ones, and they all appear to be DRM-free. And that's pragprog.com, P-R-A-G-P-R-O-G.com, P-R-A-G-P-R-O-G.com. And we'll have a link in the show notes. And there's a whole bunch of books there. So how about that? Not just one book recommendation, but a resource for a whole bunch of great books. Packet Publishing has a bunch of free ones. So thank you, Speed Ghost. Keep those coming in, guys. We will uh, keep covering them on the show. I think that's really cool. Mr. Dominic, is there anything else we want to cover in today's Coda Radio program? No, I think we're good. Holy smokes. I wish you were going to make it to OSCON. That's going to be fun. But uh, maybe, maybe uh, what, is there any events on the East Coast coming up that we're going to? Can't think of any. Oh, well. Not off the top of my head. You never know what might happen. If it ever does, maybe we'll make an excuse to, uh, to meet up and I'm drink sure a beer. I'm sure you'll make it out to build. Right. Especially the New York one, because everyone knows that's the best build, is the, one, the uh, second one they have, the sloppy seconds oh, they have yeah. in New York. Yeah. So good. That's the, that's, that's the one you got to go to. All right. Well, Mr. Dominic, where would you like to send people throughout the week? You know what? Just go to BuccaneerTech.com. Nice, sir. Noah, would you like to send anywhere throughout the week? Uh, Oscon. Come meet us for Oscon. If you're in the, head over to the meetup. Yeah. And join us. Nice. Uh, join us tomorrow, the, uh, Wednesday. 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 We'll Meetup.com yeah. slash Jupiter Broadcasting. You can also follow me. I'm at Chris Elias on Twitter. He's at Colonel Linux. Dom- at Dominuku is uh, Michael's handle on the Twitter. And of course, you can email us. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar and choose the code of radio from the drop down. Oh, and why don't you join us live? JBLive.tv. We do this show on a Monday, noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for this week's episode of Coda Radio. See you right back here next week. <laughs>